or while you're seated, you could get your Bible and be turning with me to the Gospel of Matthew to the fourth chapter. The Gospel of Matthew to the fourth chapter. And um, I don't know about y'all, but it's been good already this morning. Can I get an amen on that? And um, I'm going to get this up a little higher. I'm to the point where I got to get this, this, these pages exactly the right distance. If they're a little bit too far or they're a little bit too close, my eyes can't see without my reading glasses. I'm about to the point where unless they come up with a bigger print Bible, I'm fixing to have to break them out. But now I can see. Hey, how y'all doing this morning? Amen? I want to talk to us a little while this morning about God's call. We spoke about I saw the light. One day God called you by name if you're saved. And he called you out of the darkness that you'd been walking in spiritually. And he pulled you in. He, he, he by his grace, carried you from the life you had lived dead in sin to live a life born again, filled with his spirit, so that you can now live for him. He didn't just save you at that moment to go to heaven or you'd be in heaven. He called you and saved you to have a relationship with him, the Father, through his Son that is empowered and made real in our life through his Spirit that lives within us. The triune God, the creator of heaven and earth, had a plan of redemption to redeem people from death and sin and eternal damnation and bring them back to what he created us for, to have fellowship with the creator, the Father. And I don't know about you, but when I got saved, things are different than before. How about you? Amen? But I want to ask us today, what is Jesus calling us to do? Well, he's calling us to be a disciple, which means he's calling us to come and follow him. I want us to read from the passage right here in chapter 4 of Matthew, and we're going to go through the gospel of Matthew all the way to chapter 28 before we get out of here this morning. It's going to be a flying run as we look at what it means to be called by the Lord Jesus Christ. What does he want to do in our life? Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, that's a good question. What is Jesus calling us to do? We're going to focus on that question for predominantly the whole part of this sermon. And right at the end, we're going to look at what are our orders? Now that we're following him, now that we're being discipled by him, that means are trained and equipped, what does he want us to do? Well, it starts when you get saved. And I want you to look at here. Most of us know this to be the call when he called some of his apostles Peter and Andrew, his brother, and John and his brother James. But this isn't the first encounter they had. The first encounter that they had with Jesus is in the Gospel of John when John the Baptist one day said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He was looking at Jesus by the River Jordan. And when his disciples, who were his disciples at that moment, heard John the Baptist, they began to follow Jesus. And as Andrew and John began to follow Jesus. Jesus said, what are you looking for? He said, where are you going, Lord? He said, come and see. And the Bible says they followed him home that day. One day in the presence of Jesus, they went back and they told, Andrew told Peter, we have found him, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ. And they brought Peter, and while they were talking to him, they began to talk, and then they went, and he wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Nathanael. 
and Philip. And the Bible says that they began to follow him. Guys, I'm here to tell you today the call of God is for you to hear his voice, to come to his son, and to follow his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to let him guide you, to lead you, to be your Lord, your master over your life as he is the one who is our great shepherd. And I want you to look here at this call. This was probably at another moment. This is when they probably fully committed to follow Jesus. And I'm here to tell you that today a person who's saved makes that decision that I have decided to follow Jesus is a great day in your life. <laughs> That's the day that your life will never ever be the same again because it's impossible to follow Jesus and not be changed. It's impossible to follow Jesus and not experience an awesome, unbelievable, abundant life. Friends, I'm here to tell you, following Jesus is the last thing boring. It's exciting. It, it's, it's fulfilling. And it brings purpose and satisfaction into a person's life. And so as you look right here, these men, we start reading in verse 18 of chapter 4. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed Jesus. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. Father, today, it's a simple message, Lord. Are we following Jesus? Is Jesus leading our life? Friends, I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I see real quick that when our Lord Jesus Christ was on earth, he repeatedly said to those who came to listen to his word, come and follow me. Everybody, those who followed him were called something. They were called his disciples. The Bible calls Christ's followers disciples. Friends, I don't know about you, but when I look at the Bible, Christ's call to follow him extended to all mankind, not just them. In fact, that is what he desires for every one of us in here today to do. But you can't follow him until you get saved. And friends, listen, Jesus does not call us to church membership. The call of Jesus Christ is to follow him into something he calls discipleship. And there's a big difference, my friend, not to belittle church membership. It's awesome to be a member of a fellowship and have a family where you come and you're part of that local body of believers. But guys, listen, Jesus does not call us that. You see, he calls us to be a disciple. A disciple, the word disciple means a learner and a follower. It implies devotion and commitment and submission to a master teacher. Jesus was the master teacher. They called him rabbi, which meant teacher or master. The plural word for disciples is found 244 times in the Bible. The, the singular word is found 29 times in 27 verses. 31 of them are found in the book of Acts. So I want you to think about this. Compare what Jesus called his followers, disciples, to Christian. Christian is only in the Bible twice. 
And Jesus never, ever called any one of his followers a Christian. He called them my disciples. And guys, today, as we begin to look at this, I want you to think about this. Am I following Jesus? Am I following Jesus? Is Jesus the person that saved me that is leading my life? Because guys, listen, Jesus told these men, come and follow me and I'll make something of you. I'll make you a fisher of men. He's saying, I'm going to make you a soul winner. I'm going to make you like me. Jesus was the greatest soul winner that ever walked on the face of the earth. But he wasn't only a soul winner, he was a discipler. He trained, he equipped those people to do the ministry that he came to do himself. The closest thing we can find to it today that we could compare it to would be an apprenticeship. An apprenticeship is something we don't even realize anymore, but it used to be a big thing. It's where someone who didn't have a skill, he didn't have a trade, well, a master tradesman, a craftsman would take a young boy in called an apprentice and he would allow him to come alongside of him and as he practiced his trade, a master craftsman, a man who, who was, and he began to let that boy learn while he actually did it with him. And as he worked with the master, the master would show him what to do and he would teach him what to do and as he learned to do it, he did it with him. That's what Jesus did. Jesus never does ministry alone, if you notice in the Gospels. The only thing he ever would do alone that I can find is he'd get so wore out trying to fool with these old disciples and these multitudes that he'd go off and get along with his father to pray. But anytime Jesus was doing something with other people and ministering their lives, he took people with him. Why? He didn't need them, but he chose to use them so that he could teach them so that he could disciple them. And Jesus made this remark. You say, I wonder if I'm following Jesus. He said, it is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher. You see, that's what discipleship is. God's plan is for you to come into a relationship with his son, just like these guys met Jesus. They realized who Jesus was. He's the son of God. He's the Messiah, the Lamb of God who came to save us and take away our sins. And he is the anointed one from God, and they knew he was worthy to follow. And they began to follow him. I want you to think about this. Following Jesus involves certain things. No one can follow Jesus who hasn't met him. <laughs> no one can follow Jesus who isn't saved by Jesus because it's impossible to follow Jesus in a dead life of sin. You've got to be given spiritual life. You've got to be born again. You've got to come out of the deadness and the darkness of lostness and you got to be found <laughs> and when he finds you he saves you and he takes his life and he puts it in you and now you are able to follow him you can't disciple something that don't want to be discipled have you tried lately <laughs> but when you meet Jesus there's something happens to your heart that makes you realize I need to follow him He's worthy to follow. And let me tell you something. Jesus didn't cut corners. He didn't whitewash it and make it easy to think to follow him. He let you know it was hard. Everywhere Jesus went, people would say, I'm going to follow you, Lord. One day a guy came up to him and said, Lord, I'm going to follow you in chapter 8. And Jesus said, you are, huh? Well, foxes have hole and birds that have nests, but I, the Son of Man, only have a place to lay my head. You sure you want to follow me? Another guy looked at him and said, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, but let me go bury my dad. He said, I'll let the dead bury themselves. You come and follow me. And then he said, he 
who does not deny himself, take up his cross, is not worthy to follow me. Jesus said, if any man wants to come after me, in chapter 16, verse 24, he said, if any man wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And everywhere Jesus went, people would say, I'm going to follow you. He got them to follow him. In chapter 9, you're going to see, he comes up to a man named Levi, a tax collector, the last person most people would think would be able to follow Jesus. And when one encounter at the tax table, Jesus was by that time probably had people that were hearing about Jesus. We've all heard about him. We know who he is. We know what he can do. But my question is, are we following him? Has he become our Lord? Is he our master? Have we surrendered to him? and allowed him to be the one who leads and directs our life. Because when Levi heard Jesus give him the offer, come and follow me, he left the tax table at that moment. My question is, why is it so hard today to get people in the church who profess Jesus as Savior to follow him as Lord? Because I'm here to tell you, I'm not so sure you can separate the two. If he saves you, he births you into his kingdom and adopts you and he's your savior, he's going to relentlessly pursue you to be your Lord. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus don't follow you. You must follow Jesus. The church don't get to go do what it wants to do, how it wants to do it, and when it wants to do it, and then tell Jesus, come over here and bless it for us. A church that God is blessing, here's its work from him. The Lord tells them what to do. The Lord tells them how to do it. The Lord then gives them the power of his grace to do it. Too many churches today are doing things with people who don't hear the Lord. They're not following the Lord. Friends, if you ever hear his voice and you begin to follow it, friends, I want to tell you something. Life as you know it will change. These men's life were never the same again. And I meet people even today who have made that decision. I have decided to follow Jesus. And their life has never been the same again. Friends, Jesus is looking for people to follow him. And the Bible says that many are called, but few are chosen. But many are called. My question is, I wonder why some aren't chosen. Because they don't want to do what it takes to follow Jesus, I want to tell you something. There's two things Jesus said you got to do before you can even think about following him. Once you're saved and you begin to walk with the Lord, he's going to save you. You're going to meet him. You're going to personally be acquainted with him. And then he's going to start teaching you. He's going to start taking the Holy Spirit who takes everything that was his and brings it to life and makes you able to understand it. It was the Holy Spirit who reminded the apostles of how to write down the four Gospels. And it's the Holy Spirit that authored the Gospels through the life, the example, and the teachings, the truth that Christ brought that he gives to us in the Word of God, the New Testament primarily, that we're used to teach us. And as he teaches us, the Lord shows us who he is and what he wants us to do. And he does it with the Holy Spirit. Just like he did it when he was personally here in his body, now he said, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm going to send the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, and everything that is of mine, he will manifest it to you 
so that what I have said to you, you will be able to know. I'm going to be with you in my spirit. And now Jesus is still discipling people through his word. And as you walk with the Lord, he reveals to you what his purpose is in saving you. See, he reveals to you his mission. He finds you, he saves you, he teaches you, he disciples you, he equips you, and then he sends you out to do the things that he did. That's just what he did with these guys. I want you to look at it with me. It's so cool. It comes out of this gospel so clearly. At the moment he called them, you read that both of them, all four, dropped their nets. They left their family business. They left their father and their family, and they immediately began to follow Jesus. And look at what Jesus did with them. When you look with me, look at chapter 4. It says in verse 23, and it, in verse 24 it says, that Immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed Jesus. And look at verse 23. And Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Jesus began to do what he called them to do. He began to do ministry. He began to preach the gospel, the kingdom, the good news. He began to help people. He began to help and minister to people. And look what happened. It says, it says, and his fame, look what it says, verse 24. Then Jesus' fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And great multitudes, what? Followed him. From Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. He began to show them who he was and what he came to do. And guys, listen, he was the master teacher. No one's ever taught like Jesus. No one's ever had truth like Jesus had. He was the truth. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one's coming to the Father unless they follow me. I am the light of the world. He who follows me doesn't have to walk in darkness. For I will give him the light. And he will have the light of life. Friends, listen. Right after that in verse five, 1 of chapter 5, look at here. Seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. His disciples came to him, not church members. Disciples. Then he opened his mouth and he taught them. And he taught them what we think preachers say and what commentaries say. And I've heard since I got saved and began to study God's word, it's probably the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And in chapters 5 and in chapter 6 and in chapter 7, Jesus lays out a deeply powerful bunch of truth of what it requires to be a disciple. He gives us the Beatitudes. He gives us all kinds of things about where you ought to lay up your treasure and how you ought to forgive and if you read it and take the time, that one sermon, those three chapters, is enough to chew on spiritually for a long time. Amen? Because it came from Jesus, the source of all truth. When Jesus got to the end of that sermon, turn with me in your Bible with me. Look at the end of chapter 7. Look what it says they said. Chapter 7, verse 28. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings, when he got to the end of the sermon. I don't know if I've ever astonished y'all. I probably have embarrassed you. I probably have sometimes made you laugh. 
But you know what? I don't have it in me to astonish anybody. If I astonish anybody, it's the Word of God that does it. It's the Holy Spirit that does it. But Jesus, the Son of God, stood at a mountain around people just like us that gathered together. They wanted to hear from God. They stood on a mountain right outside of Galilee, right on the side of the, 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 the Galilee Sea. And Jesus spoke, and when he got through with this sermon, look at what he says in verse 28 of chapter 7. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. I don't know about y'all, but have you taken time to study what Jesus had to say? And have you taken time to meditate and look at what Jesus did when he was here? It's astonishing, my friend. Why are we so bored with it? Because you ain't planning on doing anything with it. What did he give it to you for? So you can follow him? So that you can know his teaching and be discipled? And as you begin to walk with him through the scriptures and you look at his example and you listen to his truth and you follow it, you apply it to your life, the Holy Spirit takes it and the life of Christ begins to be made real in your life and you begin to come and become like him. That's the Father's plan. He works all things together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Before he foreknew, he predestined that we would be what? Conformed to the image of his Son. That's the plan. That's the purpose. That's why you're not in heaven yet. That's why you're still here. And he's working in you as you follow his son. The father's looking down upon you and the son and the Holy Spirit's making it all become real. Can I get an amen? Ain't it something? Isn't it awesome? It's not a myth. It's not religious jargon, man. It's a relationship with the living God. And he draws us and he, he carries us and we make mistakes just like they made. I mean, they would mess up and I would have, Jesus, I would have got me a new set a long time ago. But Jesus kept on, kept on. He didn't give up. Even though they failed, even though they doubt, Jesus never quit. You know why Jesus never quit? They did the one thing. They never quit following him. They failed. They'd mess up. They said, we're going to keep following you. Jesus gave them a sermon in the sixth chapter of John. That is a deep sermon. It's hard to believe. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't be my disciple. And it says multitudes of his disciples walked away. And Jesus said, is this too much for you? He said, yeah, he said, he said, the spirit likes these words, but the flesh profits nothing. He says, what about you? And Peter said, where else can we go, Lord, for only you have the words of life. See, they never quit following him. I can tell you, you're going to fail. You're going to fall. The difference between those who God uses, who he conforms into the image of his son, is the ones that keep following. When you fail, you say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me. Lord, change me. But Lord, don't leave me. I want to follow you. And he knows a heart that wants to follow. And a heart that's made up its mind to follow him. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will always be here to help you, to get you back up. I've been down in my sin many times since I failed. I've been saved. And the Lord says, get up, son. I love you. He washes me off. He cleanses me. He helps me. Friends, I don't know about you, but I know the importance of being rightly connected to the vine. He's the source, and when the branch is connected to the vine, his life flows into us, and we can do all things. But when we get separated from him, when we let sin get us full of stuff that shouldn't be there, we can't do anything spiritually. But I know what i got to do. The moment I always see myself failing, 
The moment I see myself, I've wandered. I don't know about you, but I know that old song we sing, I'm prone to wander. How about you? But he keeps inviting me back. And the only thing I can tell you, I've ever, I can stand here today, is because so far I haven't quit following him. Doesn't mean I haven't got confused. Doesn't mean I haven't made mistakes. I'm not condoning living outside of doing right, but I'm here to tell you, they didn't do right. On the night that he was arrested, they all forsook him and ran. Peter denied him three times with cursing and swearing. But when Jesus looked at Peter, and at the moment he looked at Peter, the rooster crowed, and Peter reminded what Jesus told him. Jesus always tells you what's going to happen if you'd only listen. Peter just didn't listen. He was like us. He was too prideful. And he said, Peter, you're not going to die for me. You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows this night. And Peter said, I don't even blanket know him. And the rooster said, and he looked at Jesus. Peter broke and he wept, a broken man. But John, his son, did not forget Peter. He went to Peter. He found Peter. Where did Peter go? Peter went back fishing. But Jesus was on that seashore that day. And when Peter seen him, he dove out the boat and he came to Jesus. And what did Jesus say? Peter, it's time for you to go do what I've been training you to do. Go and feed my sheep. Go and take care of my people. Guys, look at this. As we look, Jesus taught. But not only did he teach, he gave them an example. When you read chapters 8 and chapters 9, he heals a centurion's son by faith who was dying and he brought him back from the dead. He heals a leper. He calms the sea. He, he's doing miracles. He took a ruler's daughter and raised her from the dead. Friends, listen. He's doing all kinds of work, and he's going around ministering to people, and the primary thing he's doing is he's preaching the good news of the gospel. These men are watching. They're learning. Along the way, he picks up Matthew at a tax office and brings him along, and he becomes part of the team of his inner disciples. Listen what happens when you get to chapter 9. Look at it, verse 35 of chapter 9. Then Jesus went about all the cities and the villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. They were with him watching all of this. Jesus is discipling them. He's showing them and teaching them how to do it. Look at verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then Jesus says to them, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. But then he's brought them with him. They've been watching him. We don't know how long it is. Some people think this is probably about halfway through his three-year ministry. But you know what Jesus does? He finds you and he saves you. He introduces himself to you and you know him personally. And as you follow him, he teaches you his truth. He disciples you. And then he gets you to a place one day that everything he's been doing for you and everything he's been showing you and what you've been allowed to be part of by following him and seeing his work, one day he says, now you go and do it. Sends you out. Guys, can you imagine this day? Look at chapter 10. This is unbelievable. And when Jesus had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out. And he gave them power to heal all kinds of sickness. And he gave them power against all kinds of disease. 
And then he gives you the names of those 12. Guys, you're saying, that was the 12 apostles. Why did he give them that? Because they were willing to follow him because they had been walking with him. Look at what it says in verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out and he commanded them. See, he commands you and do you listen? And look at what he said. He said, do not go into the way of the Gentiles. Verse 6, he says, but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. See, Jesus tells you where and who to do ministry to. When you're open to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, he gives you the ministries. He calls you. Listen to what he told them. He says, and as you go, look at verse 7. Preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received Freely give. You see, he said, what I've freely done to you and what I freely give you, now go give it away. You see, today you say, that don't happen anymore. You know why it don't happen anymore? Because very few people follow Jesus. We have Jesus as a bailout, as a fix-all, as a remedy, and he's, thank God, is merciful, long-suffering, kind, and he helps us. But how many of us really can say that this is happening? you following Jesus to the point you met him, you were saved, now he's been teaching you, he's discipled you, and now you know enough from Jesus, you've been trained enough, you've been around him enough, that now you're on mission with him because that's his plan to save the world. He doesn't do it with church members, he does it with disciples. And guys, I want you to think about this with me. After he gets us to this place and he equips us, what is his plan? Following Jesus, am I a follower? If you look with me right here, look at what it says in verse 24 and 25. Jesus said, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. And then he says, it is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. You know what it takes to follow Jesus? Listen to that first verse. I didn't put it up there. I couldn't get it to fit. But listen to what he says. He says, a disciple is not above his teacher nor is a servant above his master. Guys, listen to this. A disciple never follows. He never tells the teacher what to do. The teacher always tells him what to do. You're not above him. You're below him. He's in charge. He leads. He guides. Guess what? When we go off and do things and then say, Jesus, come with us, that's totally opposite. Jesus says, you follow me. I don't follow you. And then he says, it is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher the question we need to ask ourselves this morning is to be like Jesus, we must follow him. There's no way to become like Jesus and not follow him. You see, you got to be under him. He has to be above you. He has to be the master. You have to be the servant. And the question Jesus said, he said, is it is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher. When we look at the church today, do we look so much like Jesus that people see us and we don't have to say anything? They say, man, that's a follower of Jesus. Today, if you follow Jesus, they call you a Jesus freak. You know what a Jesus freak is? A Jesus freak is somebody who loves Jesus more than you. <laughs> and friends, you know what? We ought to all be Jesus freaks. We ought to all be committed followers. And it is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher. Our life should reflect his life because guess what? That's the only way we'll ever carry out the mission. Boy, Baptists know the commission. The great commission. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. You see, 
What are our orders? That's our orders, guys. Not to load the church up with members. Not to draw a crowd of people who want to sit and watch our show. It's to gather people who see us following him. And because we've been following him, we've become like him. And because we've become so much like him now, he has gave us the same thing to do that he did. To release us into this world and send us out to go back where he found us, back where he saved us from, to go right back to where we came from, not to become like them, but to help them, to have what he has done for us. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have taught unto you. When he says, don't just baptize them, but teach them to observe, he says, teach them to follow the same things you've been following. What have you been following? The things that I taught you. And then he said, lo, I will be with you even until the end of the age. Guys, I'm here to tell you this, but a church that ain't following him, a church that don't have a heart to follow him, Jesus ain't in that church. He loves that church. He has mercy for that church, but that church will never see the glory that only Jesus can do. They'll never see lives change. The church that follows him, that surrenders their life to his leadership, that says, Lord, I want to be like you, that church will turn the world upside down for Christ. Guys, that's why 12 men, really 11, they had to replace one. They tried to replace them with a man named Matthias. They wasn't getting led from Jesus. They did it on their own. And you don't hear nothing about Matthias except that one day they picked him. God already had another one. His name was Paul. You see, when these men met Jesus, he turned Saul from Saul to Paul. And Paul is pretty much the whole book of Acts. And what's he doing? He's doing the same thing Jesus said to do. He's going, making disciples. He's baptizing people in the name of Christ. And he's teaching them the things that Jesus has taught him. And what's he doing? He's planting churches all over the Roman colony in a much difficult ministry situation than we're in. And the glory of God is building the church of God and the kingdom of God is moving forward. And the word of God is being proclaimed with power because it's being done with people who follow Jesus. And if you ask yourself, am I a disciple? That's an important question today that we don't even pay attention to. Because listen to this, it takes a disciple to make a disciple. And guys, he didn't call us to get church members. He didn't call us to get people to join, to switch church from this church. He called us to see people come to know him so that he can personally save them, so that now they can personally follow him, so that he can teach them, and he can show them truth, so that he can equip them, so that he can send them out on mission. I don't know about y'all. But being on mission for Jesus is the most exciting endeavor I've ever got to do. And I've been a crazy person. I've done some crazy stuff in my life. Ask my wife. I love crazy stuff. I'm a daredevil. All it took was you better not do that. And I've done it. If my daddy ever told me, you don't do that, son, I, I was like putting, I was going to do it. And, and I tried everything I could find in the world to do. Nothing can compare to following Jesus. I don't know about y'all. Do I ever look bored around here? I get frustrated. I get tired. Sometimes I get cranky. But I can promise you I ain't never bored. <laughs> you know why? Following Jesus is the most exciting thing you'll ever do with your life. That's what you was created to do. It's what he saved you to do. And guys, listen to this. He wants us to make disciples. 
to win the lost world to become like him. Friends, that is an awesome thing to think about. And guys, you know how you do it? You got to stay focused on Jesus. You got to be saved by his grace and be filled with his spirit. Man, there was a guy in the Bible. He was very religious. He'd have made a great Baptist deacon, but he was lost. His name was Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a good man. He was a godly man. He was one of the few Pharisees who took up for Christ, who believed in Christ. He came to Jesus by night. And he said, no one could do the things you do unless God is with him. He recognized that. And Jesus looked at him and said, Nicodemus, unless a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus looked at him, a, a religious man, a trained man. He, he knew the scriptures. He'd been in them all his life. He graduated to the highest level of scripture knowledge attainment amongst his people, the people of God. He became a Pharisee, a leader of the religious. And he scratched his head. <laughs> and he says, how can a man be born again? How can he enter a second time? And he tells my Lord, Jesus said, he said, listen, Nicodemus. He said, except a man be born again, he cannot even see my kingdom. He said, the wind blows wherever it wishes. He says, so is it when a man is born again. Friends, until you get born again, it don't make sense, does it? But you know what happened to me one day? I got born again. I've been born twice. I was born January the 28th, 1963, physically. That's the water birth. I got born January the 96th. One day in January, I'm not sure which one, but I want to tell you something. I got born again, amen? I got a new life. You see, it goes like this. You can be born once and die twice, the second death. Or you can be born twice and die once. I'm going to die a physical death, but I'm never going to die a spiritual death. Because we've been made alive, and you have too. So if you've been born again and you're prepared for heaven, why ain't you in heaven? Because he wants other people to go to heaven with him. I don't know why God chose this way, Brother Witt, but he chose to use people like me and you. He chose to use old pieces of flesh, carnal pots, broken pots, Paul said, and he puts that treasure in us, that life, that, that spirit, and he puts it in us. And on the outside, we're just a bunch of old broken clay pots, and there's a lot of us here that are you're crackpots. <laughs> and as long as you're just an empty crackpot, you ain't worth nothing. But when he puts that treasure of God in you, and Jesus' life is in you, then all of a sudden you become a vessel of honor. And when people look at us, they realize that's just old Marvin. But God must have done something to him because he ain't the old Marvin we used to know. He does it with everybody. What does he do about by following him? It cannot happen unless we follow him. The first step to following him is the first step of any journey to be saved, to give your life to Christ. Christ is calling someone in here this morning. There's somebody in here today, you're like Nicodemus. You're very religious. You got a lot of biblical knowledge, but it ain't doing you a bit of good because you don't change, you don't follow Jesus. And you come to church, you try to do right, 
But just like old Nicodemus was confused, you say, how can this be? You know why Nicodemus was confused? The only one could show him was Jesus. When Jesus shows you, you don't have to ask the preacher, am I saved? His spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are his child. And you know deep down and you know, you said what that means, it means I know. Well, how you know? Because I know that I know that Jesus did something in my life. And I know he's, I met him. And since I've met Jesus, he's continually doing something in our life. If you met Jesus, has he left you alone? Has he not continually been drawing you to follow him? And has he continually shown you the way? Does he not continually show you the truth? Because he wants you to have the life. And you know what he wants? He wants you to make it to the Father. That's why he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh to me through to the Father, but through me. Friends, there's somebody here today that I know needs to be saved. And you need to come today if that's you. That first step of submission and humility and surrender to Christ is the most important step. Once you do that, he's your Savior. And then you say, I'm going to be baptized. That's the first act of obedience. And when you get baptized, that's an act of humility and it's an act of I'm not ashamed of Jesus. He saved me and now I'm identifying myself with him. The old man died and the new person is being raised to walk in the newness of life. I'm being raised, raised to death in that bodily grave, that watery grave. The old man is dead and I'm being raised, the new man, to walk in the newness of life in the power of the resurrection. And that newness of life, that's the power of the resurrection, is what gives you the ability now to follow Jesus, to walk with Christ, and for Christ to be able to lead you and give you a life that is beyond your ability to imagine, much less understand. Do you go to walk with you? know what? Now that I've been following Jesus, I know things I didn't know a year ago. I know a lot of stuff I didn't know 20 years ago. Because walking with Jesus every day is a new day where he does new things and he helps you. But you start by getting saved. Maybe you've been saved, but you've been fighting. You've been kicking against the goads. And you, you, you're struggling. You're not going to win if you're saved. Come to him. Surrender. And follow him and he'll bless you. And friends, how many of us can truly say God has come into my life. He saved me. He's taught me. He's discipled me. Now he's placed me where he wants me. And man, I'm going to tell you something. How many of you here that's experienced being where he wants you to be and doing what he's called you to do? Friends, I'm going to tell you about that. That's exciting. You know what? I don't have to wake up in the morning saying, oh man, I wish I knew what to do. Man, I wake up every morning saying, I'm the pastor of Bethany Baptist Church. Thank you, Jesus. Man, thank you for our flock. Lord, show me what to do. Lord, give me a word. Lord, I don't want to just entertain them. I want to preach the word. Give me a word, Jesus. And Jesus gives me a word. Then I watch. <laughs> and I see him working in y'all. I mean, y'all are doing the things that I want to do. I hear y'all had a Bible study some of you last night. Some of you starting ministries. Friends, I'm going to tell you something. It's amazing to sit back and watch Jesus at work. But it's the worst thing in the world to be at church when no one's willing all it takes is, Lord, I'll follow you. Wherever you lead, I'll go. Here I am, Lord. Send me. And I promise you, you'll never be spiritually bored again. He is looking for people that are wanting him to use. If he can use me, he can use Brother Bud. Bud teaches class. If he, I watch some of the people he uses. It's not the people I would pick. You know why he uses them? 
because he wants everyone to know that's me. Jesus is doing it. So he's calling you today. He's calling you into a life of following him so that he can use you. We're going to stand, I'm going to pray, and we're going to have a time of response. This altar's here for the person who wants to come and have a talk with Jesus, listen to him, maybe work some things out. I'm standing here for anybody who was willing to come and say, I need to be saved. If I die right now, I'm not in a relationship with Jesus. He doesn't, real, he doesn't lead my life. I just go do things and then I ask him to come to me and get me out of my trouble. But today, Jesus, I'm willing to follow you. Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest. He said, if any man comes to me, I will let him in. And so I'm asking you, if you need to be saved today, to come, confess your sins. He died on the cross so your day could be this day. You could be saved, forgiven, and given new life. Father, as I pray and we stand in anticipation of what you're going to do, Lord, I, I believe there's people that need to come to an altar and they need to pray to you. You need to talk to them. And they need to come bow the knee, confess with their mouth their need of you as their Lord. But there's some that they need to come today and publicly make profession that they need you as Savior. We need to follow up, be baptized, make a commitment to you, your church, to be taught, be discipled, so that they can become more like you, so that you can raise them up and send them out. Lord, the world is in need of a church filled of disciples. Help us to become that church. Lord, I'm going to pray, and when I say amen, I'm just going to trust you to do what you need to do. Work in your people, Lord. You lead us, we'll follow. Jesus' name, amen. If you want to follow him, he's calling.